Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Get down to, let's get down to business here, okay? The Apostle Paul, last week we talked about the Apostle Paul is clearly calling the church to an awareness that they did not have of themselves. That's what we talked about last week. They did not realize how neat they were, how good they were, and Paul's calling them to that awareness. And then the second thing we talked about last week was most people have no idea of the extraordinary investment that heaven made so we can live extraordinary lives in an extraordinary church. Now, tonight we're going to round two. We're, we're, we're also in the middle of a 21-day prayer of every morning getting up and saying, God, I'm going to be special this year. It's going to be a special year for me. It's going to be a year of promotion. It's going to be a year of blessing. It's going to be a year that you're going to bless our family. Last year, we, don't, we do not slam the door on last year. Last year was a fabulous year for Christian Life Church. And we're not looking back with, with uh, saying, oh God, what are we going to do in 2013 to outdo that? But we understand you build on things like last year. It was a year of completeness. It was a year of, of, of finishing. It was, it was bringing things to a fruition in your life. It was a year of preparation so God could promote us this year. And I'm excited about the beginning of 2013 and some of the great opportunities that we have coming up and just even this month for people of all ages and for families and for husbands and wives and for people to get involved in. I, uh, I'm going to start a Bible study. Have you, got a, have you got a slide for that? You got a slide for my Bible study that we're starting for the men? A week from this Monday, can you pull it up, sister? A week from this Monday, we're starting a men's Bible study. And uh, we're going to call it Dare to Be Uncommon. Dare to Be Uncommon. It is a Bible study from the world of athletics. It's a Bible study from a fabulous, famous coach that has lived an uncommon life, a Christian man. And we're going to study it for about seven weeks, unless we can squeeze it into six. We're going to study for about seven weeks on a Monday night. Now, that comes with pizza. That comes with tacos. I'm going to tell you something. I have spoiled you folks rotten. And you men on Monday night have just had a wonderful time, and we're going to have a great time. I'm looking for 120 men, 120 men to make up that Bible study. Not this next Sunday, Monday, but the, the, the Monday after the 27th of this month. On the 28th, we're starting a men's Bible study for an hour on Monday night. No, no music. Nobody's going to come in and, and bless you with a song. We're just going to eat. And we're going to fellowship. And we're going to talk the Word of God. And it's going to be a great, great time. Right now, we're involved in a 21-day circle-making prayer that will take us from what I call the ordinary to the extraordinary. And tonight, we once again tie the Sunday series to a Wednesday series and try to marry faith prayer 
with extraordinary living in God. This new year, we're encouraging everyone to read the Word of God to a greater capacity. What I mean by that is simply this. Not necessarily read it more, but read it to a greater capacity. Receive more when you get the Word of God moving in your heart. Just open your heart and receive it. Don't read it as you would read a novel. But open up your mind, open up your spirit, and let it come to you in a greater force than it ever has before. And this month, we're going through the book of Ephesians to raise the awareness that we serve an extraordinary God. Amen? And that we are extraordinary people. And we belong to God's extraordinary church. I draw my inspiration tonight from the words of Jesus and from a man named Jabez. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, the New Living Translation, My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Say it with me. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. God wants to make a difference in your life this year so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. That statement leads us to a man named Jabez. Up until Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book about this man and more specifically about a few words that he prayed that sold over 9 million copies in just a little while, many had never heard of this man in the Bible. And when you think of it, it's amazing. His total biography occupies less than 80 words in English. His total biography. Yet those 80 words, we learn how to go from ordinary to extraordinary. And we learn how to become the cream of the crop, how to get to the top, how to understand that when things get shaken in your life, big things shake up and little things shake down. And there will be a shaking in our lives. There will be a shaking so that anything that can't be shaken will still be standing. The book of Ephesians is not about problems, as we talked about last week in the church, like Corinthians and Galatians. It's about elevating. It's about thinking of the people in the church. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 21 in the New King James says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. In the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever, forever and ever. Everybody say amen. amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Now, I think it's so important to understand that this scripture would be just as beautiful if he said, Now to him who is able to do above all we ask or think. But God wanted Paul to write it this way. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. God is saying, I want more than just what you're able to ask or think. I want two more great words in there so these people could understand. I mean it, bam, exceeding, bam, abundant, above that which you're able to ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I want to talk to you. It's, it's a call to resist the rut of the ordinary. Resist the tendency to conform to the thinking of the world around us. John Fitzgerald Kennedy said, Conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. Conformity is the jailer of freedom and the enemy of growth. 
Scripture says in Romans 12 and 2, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There was a man that in 1981, Roger Sperry won a Nobel Prize in physiology simply because he said when you learn anything new, there are new connectors that grow in the hemispheres of your brain. It's amazing how you can renew your mind. You need to renew your mind by learning some new things about God and how God views your life. I want to tell you one thing you can learn tonight. He's not against you. He is for you. And Paul understood that even though he was going through all kinds of things. He said, I understand one thing. I know where God is in my life. And I know that in all this stuff that you're going through, my God is able to supply your need according to his riches and glory. He said, I understand something about you. Many people are, 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 are object-oriented and they are, they are, they're need-oriented. But Paul said, I'm not going to be that kind of person. I'm going to be God-oriented because I understand a concept. God is able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above that we're able to ask or think. So as we read and as we teach the ways to do new things that are not ordinary, inspire each other to reach for extraordinary living. I have a pastor friend who is reading right now anything he can get his hands on to make him more positive person at this time. I think if you're a negative person, you need to start reading some positive stuff. Because I want to tell you something. God has a hard time turning some of that around if you're just going to stay stuck in that mud. You need to read everything you can get your hands on. You need to read a book called Learned Optimism. You need to read a book, amen, by, by Norman Vincent Peale called The Power of Positive Thinking. You need to start believing that everything that happens to you is not to destroy you. Everything that happens to you is to make you a better person in Christ Jesus because God is for us. Several friends of mine are reading the one-year Bible to learn more about God's ways. Our staff has come together in the last few weeks and they want to take CLC to an extraordinary place of worship and an extraordinary place of fellowship and an extraordinary place of soul winning this year. Many people are actively looking for better jobs and they already have jobs. That's not ordinary. We have a lot of families at CLC that are ready to step up to another level and to make this place a haven of warmth and a harbor for lost souls and discourage people looking for a kind fellowship to place their foot and to place their family. Let me tell you a neat sports story that I read not long ago. I never knew this. Fran Tarkington, the great Minnesota Vikings quarterback, when he was a sophomore at the University of Georgia, was on the sideline as a third-string quarterback. And all of a sudden, he laced up his helmet and just went running on the field and said, I'm in for you, told the starting quarterback, I've come in for you. And the starting quarterback, thinking the coach had sent him in, just ran to the sidelines. The offensive coordinator, thinking it was the coach, didn't try to stop him. The coach, thinking it was the offensive coordinator, didn't try to stop him. And Fran Tarkington led the Georgia Bulldogs down the field if he hadn't have done it, they'd have probably kicked him off the team. But he led the team down the field against a team from the University of Texas and scored a touchdown, and the rest is history. And he went on to have an all-pro career. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There is a God that's wanting some people in this hour to strap up your headgear and go on into the battle and go on into the field and say, Hey, 
I'm here, I'm here. You need to go sit down, I'm here. You need to go take a seat because you don't want to get involved, but I want to get involved. I want to be an extraordinary person in the kingdom of God. Clap your hands and rejoice at that right now. Rejoice at that right now. I know that's radical. That's radical. Fran Tarkin was radical. He was a radical man. But I've got a question for you. How long has it been since you stepped out of the ordinary in a faith moment and just flat out trusted God to back you in that endeavor? Let that settle a little bit. God, I'm tired of the silver medal. I'm tired of going home with the bronze or not even placing. I'm going for the best you have in me. I've said it to you last week. I'm going to say it every Wednesday night. Good, better, best. Never rest until your good is better and your better is best. It's imperative that we don't just get robbed of our better because of the good or we get robbed of the best because of our better. How long has it been since you've brought someone to church? What if in the next two Sundays a great number of us said, I'm going to bring a guest this Sunday? Well, first of all, we probably wouldn't have a place to put them. But that's all right. I'll give up my seat. I'll stand all service long. No matter how many I need to invite, Austin is not a saved city yet. Can you clap your hands and say, I'm going I'm to believe that, Pastor? It's not a saved city yet. Ephesians 1 and 17 says, I keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, or what I call insight, that you might know him better, his way of thinking, his ways of doing things. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened. Everybody say, Lord, give me some insight. Give me an insight on how you do things. And let my eyes be open to how you do them. I want to declare to you, folks, it's time for you to understand that this world is not run by governments. This world is not run by humanoids. <laughs> this world is run by the Savior of the world. God Almighty runs this world. He still is in the affairs of men and women. And I want to be the best I can be for that God because in a little while, things may get rougher than we've ever imagined. But won't it be great to have an extraordinary church when it all starts breaking down so people can run to that church and say, I know I've heard about this place. And I want us to be better and better and greater and greater and not be robbed of our, of our better by good and not be robbed of our best by our better. I want this church to have everything working properly. 2013 is the year of promotion. Let's become extraordinary in 2013. Clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. See, just because you're saved and a believer in Christ doesn't mean you think differently than anyone else. Look at it. Just because you're saved and a believer doesn't mean you think differently than anyone else. Paul is saying, I pray for you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that your eyes will be open. That's why God has given us his word. And that's why church and God has placed teachers and preachers in the church because he doesn't want us to think ordinary and talk ordinary and fit into the ordinary and live ordinary lives. He wants us to live abundant lives. Amen. 
So there's three things. There's three things I want to share with you tonight. And I'm not going to be lengthy. The three things Paul wants the church at Ephesus to have his eyes open to. Number one, that you may know the hope which he has called you to. Everybody say hope. Everybody say he's called me to hope. Did you hear me? He has called us to hope. That's awesome. I'm, not, I'm calling you out of despair into hope. Stay with me now. I don't want you to despair. I want you to live in hope. I don't want you to flatline on me. I want you to live with excitement in your life. I don't want you to throw your hands up in despair. I want you to lift your hands and praise. Because I'm going to bring you hope. I've called you to hope. It's like them two senior citizens that was walking one day and they went by a funeral home. And uh, they turned to one another and said, look, there's no hope of recovery. We're only getting older. Why don't we go and just give ourselves up? <laughs> Let me tell all senior citizens something. I don't care if you're 90 years old, 95 years old. It doesn't matter. You keep walking past funeral homes. When God gets ready to put you in that funeral home, he'll make the call. You don't make the call for him. Get up every morning. You know what? Some of the most beautiful people in the whole world are people that are old and not cranky. I love elderly people. That's just as sweet as pudding. Banana pudding don't taste any better than those kind of people. That Orville Monroe that walked this aisle to talk to me, Rachel Price that comes in this church, passed out on Sunday, went to the hospital, got up, got better, in the church tonight on Wednesday night. You know what? Those kind of people... Brother Marvin Hurtel, Brother Sister Peppers, those kind of people. It's just awesome to have elderly people around our church that I'm telling you are just as sweet as Georgia peaches. There's nothing like it. Don't you give yourself up. Don't you give yourself up. It's kind of like that, kind of like that thing I also read about a for sale ad for in Roanoke, Illinois, re, the review which read, Hope Chest, brand new, half price, long story. <laughs> Don't sell your Hope Chest for half price. Come on, we got a lot to live for. We got a lot to enjoy for in 2013. We got a lot to get excited about. Amen. I've never been 63. I'm 63 and I'm happy. I know I don't look over 39, but just take it. It's all right. I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to get up in the morning. I'm teaching right now with absolutely no pain in my body. I hope that carries over to tomorrow so I can hit a golf ball good. But I'm excited about being alive in 2013. Anybody else excited out there? Let's be extraordinary. It's exciting. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now about his faith. Everybody say faith. Everybody say hope. Everybody say charity. And the greatest of these is charity. We know that yet hope is the fulcrum. It's the balance beam between faith and love. The thing that gives us love and makes us have faith is this word called hope. The hope of his calling. He has called us to hope. Parents, you have hope for your kids, don't you? I saw Mitch and Brandy bring that sweet baby Hazel in tonight. She looks like a, Lord, that kid's beautiful. She's my buddy. She was walking around this office today. 
She's trying her best to talk, Lord. I hope she just talks. I just hope she goes off talking. Because she needs it. She needs to straighten her parents up. I'm teasing. But they walked in tonight holding that baby. There's, they're as proud as if they're president and the first lady right now because God's blessed them with that. And they have hope for that baby. They have hope for that child. And you know what? When a person has no hope, they have no future. God has hope in us. We are his body. We represent him. It is said that a person can live 40 days without, without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air, but can't live a minute without hope. Jeremiah said it this way, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to give you an expected end. I'm here to tell you, God is for us. He's calling us out of the dismal into the blessed. He's calling us out of the flatline life into the blessed. You don't have to get up in the morning saying, oh, God, another day. You can get up in the morning and say, yes, God, another day. Another day to make a difference. Another day to rejoice. Another day to help somebody. Another day to bless somebody. Another day to live. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. That's good old-fashioned stuff right there. It's another beautiful day. Another great day. Hope thou in God. God is our hope. The second thing Paul wanted those people to know in Ephesians was this. He said, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance. He's called us to hope, and he wants us to know that there's riches of his glorious inheritance in us. Everybody say, I am God's valued inheritance. Wow. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. He redeemed us. He brought us back, Brother Tom, from the penalty of sin. We are diamonds that God came to mine out of the earth. Did you know the only stone that's not mentioned in heaven is the most expensive? Diamonds are not mentioned there. You know why? Because that's us. We're going to outshine everything in that city. Are you getting it? Are you getting a hold of what I'm talking about? We're going to outshine everything in that city when we get there. And God may have to knock a little coal off of us and have to knock a little dirt off of us. But I'm here to tell you, he's refining us. Because one day when the church walks in, angels are going to fold their wings and we're going to sing a song that they have never been able to sing. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know, the biggest diamond that's ever been found was found in 2007. It's over 7,000 carats. How would you like to have that for an engagement ring, ladies? Listen to it. Listen to me. And the size of it is two fists put together. That's how big it is right there. The diamond, when it was first discovered, looked like an ordinary rock. It had dirt, earthy stuff attached. I've got a question for you. What do you see when you look at the ordinary person sitting next to you tonight? Wrapped in an earthen vessel. Do you see dirt? Do you see an earthen stone? 
Or can you look past it all and see a diamond from God? A diamond from God. There were a famous person or someone who was important in the room. We'd be nice to them. We'd go out of our way to connect with them, wouldn't we? Clint Eastwood came. God, he's my favorite cowboy. He's pretty good dirty hairy too. Tommy Lee Jones walked in here. Ugly as mud. But if he walked in here, if the governor walked in here, if the president walked in here, famous people. But the reality is that God sees all of us as diamonds in the rough. But we're still a treasure in heaven. I do believe it's how we treat the people that are beneath us in social status. Beneath us in education and beneath us in our fame and popularity that makes us the people that are extraordinary. Anybody can reach up, but it takes great people to reach down. And the outside may be rough and need some debris knocked off, but don't doubt the value because God sees us as having extremely high value. You are special to God. We all need to see the same in others. I have a dear friend here on the second row, Justice Dale, and his precious wife, Debbie. And Monday I was invited by them. They didn't know I was going to talk about them tonight, but I was invited by them to, uh, to an auditorium down at the Capitol. It was his farewell ceremony from the Supreme Court. He resigned in, 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 in the end of September and went back to private practice. It was a beautiful ceremony for the departing justice and also a wonderful member of CLC. The governor was there. Senator John Cornyn was there. And, and Justice Wainwright had us, all his people that came to be with him on the front row, was on the front row. So I looked right up. I mean, I'm here, and the governor's here talking to me, and I'm waving at him, you know. No, I wasn't. <laughs> and I had a wow moment Monday. had a wow moment. Because Rick Perry's the governor. Like him, loathe him. He's been around a long time. You've had, a, you've had an opinion about him for a long time now. But he's the governor. I'm the pastor of a spirit-filled church. I'm leaving the auditorium. I was at the back door and I heard a voice. Hey, pastor, the governor wants a word with you. <laughs> it happened. I have witnesses here. I turned around. I went back up. He was talking to someone and he held his hand out like, just don't leave, pastor. I'll be right with you. He turned to me and said, how you doing, Pastor Ray? And you know me. I gave him a bear hug. I hugged him down. I said, Governor, you're a great man. And I appreciate what you've done for the state of Texas. And the favor of God's upon you. And I appreciate who you are. He didn't have to call for me. He didn't have to ask if I was there, if I had already left. But he reached down and he touched a man that a lot of people would ignore. It's greatness. Here's what I want to tell you. If a governor can reach down and hug a pastor, it's time for us to start hugging some people that need Jesus in this church. It's time for us to start hugging some people that need Jesus in this church. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. I saw Supreme Court Justice Heck. He just got elected for his fifth term. When he gets through with this, he'll have served 30 years on the Supreme Court. So he looked at me and he said, so Wainwright goes to your church, huh? 
I said, yes, sir, he does. Sits on the second row. I said, he said, oh, God, I pray for you every day, Pastor. <laughs> and then he complimented him so beautifully. But I will never view, I will never view the man that is our governor the same again because he showed me he could reach to a pastor. He could reach to somebody that he thought mattered. And if he thinks that I matter, I must think that everybody matters that walks in this door because you do matter. Turn to somebody beside you and say you matter. You really matter. You really matter. We are the inheritance of God. 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 And the third thing, not only has he called us to hope, not only has he talked about the riches of his inheritance to us, his saints, he's got incomparable great power for us who believe. He has power for us. Everybody say power. power. Verse 19, he has power for us. You know, crabs are just that. They're crabs. And when crabbers capture crabs, they place them in a bucket with no lid. There's a reason. Because when one crab tries to crawl out of that bucket, the others reach up and pull down the extraordinary crab back into the bucket. And so a crab cannot hardly ever get out of the crab bucket because something's always pulling him down. I want to declare to you, it's time for some of you to get an extraordinary crab spirit and get out of the bucket that wants to pull you down. Just crawl out of it. Just crawl out of it. Just say, I'm not staying in this bucket any longer. I'm coming out of the bucket. I'm getting out of this bucket. I'm tired of bucket. I'm tired of bucket list. I want some bucket promises to come to pass in my life. I'm coming out of the bucket. This is going to be my year to be promoted in the name of the Lord. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of it. I'm not going to be hindered. God's going to give me power. God's going to give me grace. He's going to give me blessings. He's called me into hope. He's told me about my inheritance. And he said, I'm going to give you power to achieve it. I believe that. I believe that. Some people accept limitations on their life that God didn't expect them to accept. They think themselves weak. They think themselves poor. They think themselves small. There is a statement in life that we must play the hand that is dealt us. And I'm going to play a little five-card stud with you tonight. A little Texas poker. I'm going to play five cards for you tonight. The first card I'm going to play is a card called chemistry. I can't help that I've got a, a physique like this. And you don't have one as good as it. I wish you could. But these are just born. This is a body by fork. I can't help the fact that I wasn't born with a six-pack. I was born with a little keg. Mitch has one of those. Josh is developing one. Brad is the only one on our staff, including Randy, that has the six-pack. 
we keep him next door so y'all won't get <laughs> intimidated. But how I look, my body, I can eat better. I can get healthier because I'm dealt a card called chemistry in my life. Then there's a card called connections. I can't help that. How I was born, who I was born to, I can't help my past connections, but I can build healthy relationships now. My connections from the past are things I can't turn around. Now, I will tell you, I'm glad to be born in the home of Wendell and Geraldine. But some of you were not born in a home of a Christian parents. Some of you were born to a drug dealing dad, to a mom who did not want to come home at night. And those connections, you can't change those. But you can build healthy relationships now. You don't have to let that hold you back. And then there's circumstances, the third C, the third card I deal is circumstances, things that have come into my life, the ill winds from somewhere. Because bad things happen to all of us, and it rains on the just, and it rains on the unjust. And I've had some tough circumstances. The third card in my life has not been an easy card. I've had some tough circumstances in my life. There's some things that's come into my life that I wish didn't come into my life. But because I knew how and learned how to take them, God has caused them to be victory things in my life and not defeat in my life. Because I know Romans 8, 28 said, and we know that all things, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Can you say amen to that? So I know my circumstances not to destroy me, it's to make me a better person. And then the fourth C is what I call consciousness. What everybody told you growing up, and even in ministry, people told me I'd never make it. Some of you have been told you're a loser. Some people were told you were stupid. Some people were told you'd never amount to anything. You'd never be an A student. You're not a winner. You're dumb. You're disconnected. There's no good genes in your family. You're going to be just like your daddy was. But hear me tonight. There are some things that are just flat-out simple lies in your life. And I don't care who has prophesied over you and told you those things, that wasn't from God. Because God never has made one junk person. He's never made one junk piece of person in his life. God Almighty has created beauty. He's created glory. We were made in his image, not in Satan's image, but in God's image. We are God's creation. I belong to deity. I belong to heaven. I don't belong to hell. I don't belong to this earth. I belong to God Almighty. Can you say amen to that? I belong to him. Wow, that's a joy. But I will throw the wild card at you now. There's one more C. It's called choices. This is the wild card. What I think about today, myself, today, I can rise above my chemistry. I can get off Bluebell. I can rise above my connections. It does not matter what hovel I was born in or how bad my past was, I can rise above those connections and I can rise above my circumstance. 
and I can rise above what people have said about me and I can make a choice. That is not original with me. I read that with Rick Warren. I saw that with Rick Warren. But I want to share Rick Warren's philosophy with this congregation. I am a choice maker. I believe in choices in my life. And I think when you make a choice, a choice makes you. And so here's what I'm choosing to do in 2013. I'm not going to let a body that's a little obese in the tummy area rob me of being extraordinary. I'm not going to let connections of my past make me, uh, uh, make me lose hope. I'm going to be extraordinary. I'm not going to allow circumstances that have come into my life to make me feel like I can't attain, that somebody's not for me, that God is against me. I'm going to overcome those. I'm not going to allow consciousness and what people have said and what people have told me in my life that I couldn't do. I'm not going to let that happen because I choose tonight. I choose tonight. I choose tonight to be extraordinary. I'm going to be extraordinary. When you see ordinary coming, just put an extra in front of it. When you see ordinary coming, say, oh, no, not this year, not for the rest of my life. Because today is the first day of the rest of my life, and I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Not what the world said I could be, not what my past said I could be, but what God says I can be. Because he's offered me hope. He's given me his inheritance, and he's blessed me with power. It's time for excuses to be in the past. You need to tell the devil, your past. You're in my past. You're not going to rule my present. All that is in my life. I'm going to give you two words. I'm going to give you two words that you always need to say when hell comes around. Are you ready for it? Throw it on the screen. But God. I'm fixing to go crazy here right now. But God. Say it, but God. But God. Ah, so I wasn't going to make it, huh? But God. So I'm a loser, huh? But God. So I never can make it past the first grade, but God. So I'm going to get kicked out of school, but God. I, I, I used to have a man in this, in this church that, was, that, that, that flunked out of school three times, and he's this far from his doctorate now. He said, I didn't think I could ever make it. A brilliant mind, one of the most brilliant minds I've ever pastored in my life, and he's pastor now in East Texas. And he said, I just didn't think I was ever going to make it. But one day somebody told me, hey, you amount to something. And he said, I threw away all my drink. He said, I was an alcoholic. I was a total alcoholic. I couldn't go through day without getting drunk every day. But said, I, I started cleaning my life up. And he said, all, the, all of a sudden, I started believing I could, I could, I could, I could. And he said, you know what? I can. I can. I really, really can. You know what? I'm telling you, there's nothing that can, that can hold you back because there is a God. Everybody say, but God. But God. God is our help. Tap your hands and say, I've got a God in my life. I've got a God in my life. Give me three more minutes and then maybe two more. Verse 20 through 23 of... of uh, Ephesians chapter 1. All this energy, this is a message version, issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven. Deep heaven, I love that. Heaven's not shallow. In charge of running the universe and everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. 
has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. If you're a believer, that may not surprise you, but the next part may. Paul went on to say, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Or as the church at Ephesus is a good church, and Paul sees their potential as becoming a great church, an extraordinary influencing church on the region, in that region of the world. Local churches are only as extraordinary as the people in them. What makes a church an impacting church for Christ? Very simple, the people in it. People must be passionate. Say, God, help me to be more passionate about you. Come on, say it. Help me be more passionate. Open your mouth and speak it. Help me to be more committed. Help me to be more friendly. Help me to be more welcoming. Help me to be a, in a soul-winning church. See, a passionate church that loves and honors God is a church that is extraordinary. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.